0: hey what's going on everybody welcome to the breaking the game podcast we are your co-host i'm steven gillespie and my buddy austin Carr
1: here is from the game change sports network
0: austin say something nice to the people hey what's
1: going on everybody thanks for tuning in thanks for listening uh How's it going today, Steven? Having a good day so far? I am having a great day. I have a second monitor, which you're not going to be able right. to
0: see, but uh, it feels like I'm at the Pentagon right now. You know, right. like I got, I'm got i the guy in the chair, you know, to right. the you Spider-Man go. movie, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, really excited about today's show, man. This is the first show that we've had, you know, following the completion of the season, other than our post-game show that we did, but, uh, right. you know, the nba is doing what it normally does and is staying relevant even when there's not a basketball being dribbled
1: never really stops does it it seems like as soon as the off-season starts it just picks up as term in terms of all these different stories and things that we need to cover so yeah and that's
0: why we're here today because we right. were originally just going to do a show sunday and we yep. had a fun idea just to go ahead and put that out there we're going to do our way too early power rankings uh I've already generated my list. I know Austin is uh, working on his and really scrutinizing it. And then we're going to have a very special guest. uh, Jeff Hunt of the Off the Ball Network, the vice president of the network, is going to be a part of our show. So I'm really excited to have him on. And, you know, he's going to bring his A game, too. But the reason we're having this show today is because we have about five different storylines that we want to cover. And we weren't going to be able to do all that and do our way too early power rankings on Sunday. So... You know, we're going to go ahead and dive right in and we're going to start with your beloved Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Rumors were circulating that Anthony Davis could be on the move to Chicago because that's just what everyone does in the NBA now. Mm -hmm. Right. Austin is leaving a great situation to go play
1: in their hometown. Um, Not really. We don't see that as much anymore, do we? Right. It's not not something that is as common as I think people would like it to be or, you know, tell themselves that it is. You know, um, I think I've said it on here before. Not everybody likes their hometown. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not saying that there aren't people that want to go home, but you can I can't imagine the the uh, the pressure you would be under. You know, playing 41 games a year in front of all your friends and family all the time, just the pressure to get tickets for people, and you know, all the other outside stuff that comes with you know playing in your hometown. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last player that we saw do this was, you know, LeBron James, but Mm -hmm. it really wasn't him just going to Cleveland regardless, right? Like he left a great situation in Miami um, to go to Cleveland, but they just so happened to have, you know, Kyrie Irving, who was pretty talented young guy at the time, and then Mm -hmm. the number one overall pick, which eventually they knew that they were going to get a superstar from somewhere. ended up being Kevin Love. So it's not like he just really wanted to go play in Cleveland. You know, there was a little bit of asset management and, uh, you know, a great roster for him to go there too. And Mm -hmm. looking at AD going to Chicago, some of the talent there is okay. But, you know, um, I don't know anybody who's just saying, you know what, I really want to go play with Zach Levine.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, and especially when coming off of the season that they just had, you know, I could see if Anthony Davis was – you know, had won two or three titles or this was like a three-peat or Mm -hmm. this wasn't the first year that they had really played together, him and LeBron. And, you know, sometimes things get old, things get stale. And sometimes Mm -hmm. at that point later in your career, you might say, yeah, you know, I want to go home and win one for my hometown team. But in the the peak of his career, playing with, again, you know, again with LeBron James, the best player in the world, the situation they're in, um, I don't see any scenario outside of serious injuries where this Lakers team doesn't compete for, you know, the next several seasons. Mm-hmm. Um I just think it's a, as good a situation as there is, you know, he's in the number one either biggest or second biggest market, you know, media market outside of New York maybe, but in terms of, you know, royalty in the NBA it doesn't really get any better than the Lakers. Um and you know, he has, you know, all of these options in front of him, the ball's kind of in his court. It's not like where, you know, say even as recently as five or six years ago, when a big time free agent signs a new contract, you know, he's locking himself into a team for four or five, six years. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, we've seen kind of th- that entire thing change to where more of what you see nowadays is guys getting these two and twos or one and ones where they sign a a one year contract with a player option or a two year player, you know, two year contract with a player option for the second year or the third year or the fourth year. Um, so, you know, he could become a free agent again as early as in two seasons, really. Um, I mean, he could go on one year deals, which I don't, I don't see that happening, but, um, you know, like LeBron's kind of been doing where he signs like a, a two-year deal with a two-year player option, or, you know, we've seen a until lot of last guys-
0: season, or until, you know, he came to the Lakers, right, two seasons <laughs> right. ago.
1: Right, yeah, he gave them a little bit more of a, a you know, a guarantee, like, hey, I'm going to be here for a while, but I, I just feel like, you know, with all the options that are there, um, the situation he's in, the roster in LA, like, Mm -hmm. I, I, this is kind of what I expected. I saw, you know, I saw this coming and, you know, it would be nice to, you know, nice problem to have, to be able to opt out of $28 million and say, you know, (laughs) that's not good enough. Right. And one thing that we need to remember is we don't know exactly
0: what the cap is going to look like moving Mm -hmm. forward based off of, you know, the, the experience that everybody was under this season, right. With the COVID-19 loss of revenue ticket prices were accountable for what anywhere from 60 to 80% is what I was hearing, depending Mm -hmm. on the source. And, you know, maybe he's opting out um, simply because of that, you know, and maybe trying to go for a one plus one to see if the cap kind of stabilizes or see where it goes moving forward. Don't Mm -hmm. imagine him signing anything super long-term right now, because again, with, you know, restrictions on cap space, we don't know exactly where the NBA is financially right now they may want to wait to sign him i do, i doubt that it's any hesitation on la's part it's probably more so on anthony davis saying i don't know if i'm only going to make i say only i don't know if i'm only going to make like 25 million this year as opposed mm-hmm. to 30 if i go next season or or and, you know maybe upwards of 40 million depending on where the cap is
1: right and that's kind of something i wanted to uh, pick your brain a little bit about i i i think i've gone on record saying before You know, due to COVID, I I didn't hardly see anybody with a big player option really opting out of it. Correct. Obviously, that's already, you know, shown to be not the case. Um, What do you think that that says in terms of, you know, their confidence that said, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to opt out of almost $30 million? Um, I mean, to me, that kind of makes me feel like that this isn't going to be, you know, the the cap's not going to go down too too much i don't know what you think about that but
0: well so my where, where my head is at now you consider the players that do have those large player options mm-hmm. options a lot of them are older see chris paul um right. or injured see gordon hayward you know mm-hmm. so they're likely not going to see you know chris paul is going to be making roughly 40 million dollars this season He right as great as he was this year no one is lining up to pay him 40 million dollars right very true Gordon Hayward, if he opts out, he's going to be dropping out of about $30 million. I don't see him commanding that type of money out on the market yeah. right now. Now look at Anthony Davis. 27 years old, just won a ring. I don't know another power forward that is in his atmosphere right now as mm-hmm. far as how great of a player he is. You could go get another Gordon Hayward you can right. kind of maybe sort of get something close to Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. You're probably more likely to get something closer to a Chris Paul right now than you are in Anthony Davis, right? Very, so Very true. I think that he's going to kind of be the exception to the rule that you just said where mm-hmm. a lot of these players that do have the player options, they have them because of you know contracts that were signed in like 2016 with a big cap spike. So I think it would be foolish to expect other people to opt out simply because Anthony Davis – can't command that contract no matter what the cap situation is anywhere. Right. Which is why I think it was rumored right. to, he was linked to all these rumors of, you know, going to Chicago and things like that. Cause he was going to get that money anyway. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I just, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. That's kind of how I feel about it too. You mm-hmm. know, Anthony Davis is one of the few guys that's even in a pandemic going to command that kind of contract. And, you know, like we said, too, with the all the options available, it may be the smartest move to do a one-on-one deal. Mm-hmm. And I almost kind of thought that's part of the reason you're going to see a lot of guys opt into these these player options this year is to, you know, give everything another year, see see what really happens. And then in in two years, you know, what is that offseason going to look like? You know, that could just be like a player movement bonanza at that point.
0: Right, yeah, and that's kind of where I fall to. But mm-hmm. like I said, I think this is probably – um, you know, he's his agent is pretty world renowned, right? With Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, you know, with uh you know, he has Rich on his team. So LeBron's agent, he 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 knows he's gonna be taken care of, right? So right I think this is like I said, it's probably just a, a free look at the market mm-hmm. um for next season is what he's aiming for because yeah. everyone's projecting because a lot of the owners now lost a lot of money on top of the NBA losing money too. Cause guys like Tim and mm-hmm. the Rockets who we're going to be talking about in a little bit, you know, right. he gets a lot of his money from, you know, hotels, hotels and, and, you casinos know, play- and all that stuff. restaurants, right? Like places that have to have people sitting down in them to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Um, a lot of these places aren't going to be able to pay players what they probably normally would have anyway. So, which is again, why I'm saying, I think Anthony Davis, you know, is going to resign, but, He probably takes a
1: free look at the market next season just to kind of see where it stands. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Um, You know, another thing too is you mentioned his uh, agent is, you know, rich. And Mm -hmm. um, he's got the same agent as LeBron and, Mm -hmm. you know, KCP too. KCP is another guy that opted out. So, you know, just giving back that little bit of extra money for the team so they can make sure they have enough for Anthony Davis and then probably pick up the script. No, I don't really think that'll happen. I think KCP might actually move on the soft season. I'm not so sure he's coming back. Um, another guy that, you know, we wanted to talk about a little bit too. Um, Ray Rondo. Right, mm-hmm. so I think we can go ahead and segue into that. He's, yeah. you know, I got it rolling
0: around on the bottom right now. Hey, right?
1: Perfect. <laughs> you know, he's set to become a free agent. He opted out of his contract. He had, you know, a player option worth only about about 2. 3 million. 7. Yeah, yeah. About 2.7 million. Um, it is the league minimum, but, um, I think you'd have to say after this season and after the, the role he played in the playoffs, he's in line to get at least a little bit more money than that. I don't Probably know somewhere talking. around a, a mid-level exception on a contender yeah. is kind of what
0: I'm seeing. Or, you know, maybe a team that's in a rebuilding situation says, Hey, you know, maybe we bring him on. I don't know with Rondo getting two rings now, one in Boston, one in LA, which is phenomenal by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can't. It's really tough to read what Rondo wants right now, right? Because if he really wanted a ring, like he stays, but maybe he can come back for a little bit more money. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I know that they don't really have bird rights on him because he only signed a one plus one deal on him, and he wasn't on the team prior to so can't really go into the cap. Um, you know, negative for his contract. So maybe he goes somewhere else. Like uh, I don't know a team that is really dying to add a Rajon Rondo as great as he was, you know, he, he's kind of a contender only player in my eyes. How do you feel about him, Austin? Um,
1: Yeah, I, I think at this point, in his career and, and it's been that way for a while, he's kind of, you know, just kind of hopped around from one team to the next, just kind of like a hired gun type mm-hmm. of, you know, situation where I think he's, I, I don't see him having a whole lot of interest in going to Charlotte or, you know, Minnesota or a team that, you know, is generally considered, you know, not going to compete. Right. Um, I also think he may end up back with the Lakers. I, I hope. I mean, I think he was arguably the third or fourth best player in the playoffs for them. Um, Especially the last game, right? Yeah. And, you know, he, he had several, you know, games like that where he really showed up. But, you know, the last game of the, of the finals was obviously – you know his best performance for sure with the 19 points, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a fan, hoping he comes back. They do have his early bird rights, so they can give him a little bit more money, right? Um, not a not a full, right? You know, not a, yeah. not a ton more, yeah. but you know that may be just the only reason they're doing that is is he wants a little bit of a raise, and that that's a way to give it to him. You know, a, a two year minimum contract for a guy like him. I, I was kind of surprised that he signed two years in the first place. Mm -hmm. at at the league minimum like that and you know so it's a five percent increase from year one to year two if you're on the league minimum so that's you know not a whole lot of money for someone like him and you know maybe his uh motivation is purely financial he's never really had that big payday he's never really made you know a huge amount of money in the nba compared to some of his contemporaries and Mm -hmm. um you know it could be just that you know, he does he's got two rings now. He's like, Hey, you know, I've shown who I am in the playoffs, I've shown what I can do. Let's go make a little bit more money here. And, you know, then I could see him going to a team that maybe isn't quite as, you know, in the championship hunt if they're you know, if they're gonna pay him a lot more. But you know, I think he's got a lot of options ahead of him.
0: Yeah, and we but we just got done talking about, you know, the financial, you know, restrictions that are probably gonna fall upon the league this offseason. Right. So I don't know how much money you could expect a guy like Rajon Rondo to make as a free agent. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe Phoenix could use a, you know, another ball handling point guard. We saw how great Ricky Rubio was on the squad this season. Maybe Mm -hmm. they think, you know, championship level experience with Rondo is I just I don't really think I can't think of a lot of teams that can say we're Rajon Rondo away from doing something special. You nice. know what I mean, and that's not to knock Rondo. We just got done talking how great he was, but he's kind of an enag, an ignat. He's a he's a big personality. Excuse me, right. an enigmatic inagna- personality. Uh, uh, yes, hey, it's a hard word to say. I think it Thank was. Props, props I, for I, trying it. I did, and I'm going to edit that out later. Hey, <laughs> all good. Probably not. But anyway, um, I like I said, I don't think. I can't think of a team that thinks that they're a Rajon Rondo away. I think maybe Miami. I don't know how he would feel about going to Brooklyn to back up Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, these are, these are situations that I think that he could, you know, possibly get into. But uh, again, with free agency this year, it's really hard to, you know, get a finger on a pulse and see exactly who's going to be commanding what, because he's not even going to be probably a top five free agent, even though Mm -hmm. he just got a ring. You know, there's Fred Van Vliet plays the same position is probably going to be in higher demand. Um, but again, you um, know, Goran Dragic is another guy, but just coming off an injury, you know, who knows how that's going to look. Right. So um, anyway, I don't can you think of any other teams that probably feel that way about
1: Rondo? I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of teams that think, you know, hey, Rajon Rondo gets us over the hump or takes us to the next level. Maybe the Clippers. Maybe Philly. I don't maybe. imagine him leaving the Lakers for the Clippers, though. That would be nuts. Yeah, that would be wild. But you know, they've people have kind of said they need like a primary ball handler or a little bit more of a you know a shot creator, proven, proven point guard, a guy that can create shots. Um, I could see that possibly Philly, maybe. Yeah, Philly be a good a, a good spot. But do you really want to put in a, bring in another point guard that's not really known for a shooting when? You know, well I don't and, know,
0: he did turn his shooting around in he the has shot better, he
1: has shot better, so maybe maybe and that at least he work. does shoot. So right, right, that is true. He does shoot. Um, yeah. I was gonna say maybe, you know, I even mentioned before how I don't see him going to a team like Minnesota, but the more I think about it, maybe some team brings him in to kind of mentor a young guard, you mm-hmm. know. Maybe if they take LaMelo ball, and you know, I know he's not probably gonna play this the game the same way Rajon Rondo does. But, you know, I feel like he's somebody that a young player could learn from if he's willing to be that guy. I or even know. D'Angelo Russell yeah. still in there. Exactly. Both of them, you know, that could work for them. Um, even like, you know, any, like you said, Phoenix might be a good option for him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to be heavily in demand. Like you said, I don't know how much more money he's going to command on the open market. I yeah. think there's going to be some team somewhere that says, hey, you know, we've got to reach this the salary cap floor we've got nine million dollars you know rajon rondo's sitting there you know maybe you know i mean and 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 i don't don't know and i don't know if he goes back to a team that he's
0: played for too because that Mm -hmm. list got quite long you know chicago yeah dallas sacramento
1: new orleans like he's Mm -hmm. he's pretty well traveled and i think he's burned some bridges in some of those places but i like dallas (laughs) yeah i like dallas and I, i could see in New Orleans he he worked out pretty well in New Orleans. I could see him maybe going back there. Yeah. You know, back in up Lonzo Ball. Um I I don't know. I think there's a lot of options. It's an interesting one to think about. He's uh he's a weird case because everywhere he goes, he, he they tend to win. Yeah. But he's his numbers aren't like anything that blow you away and He's never really had that big contract, so his motivations could be all over the place. I'm not really sure what you know what he thinks is his best in his best interest at this point.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a hard guy to place, especially like what we said with the the money situation in this free agency, the places that he's been, you mm-hmm. know, the amount of teams that think that they're a, a Rajon Rondo away from doing something special. Um, it you know playing us playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis probably helped him out quite a bit. Right, um, and obviously getting another ring kind of helps, you know the the reputation side of things. But we mentioned Philly could be a potential place for Rajon Rondo. Mm-hmm. They have been in the mar- in the market for assistant coaches, and they landed Dave Yeager to to join Doc Rivers as an assistant of sorts in Philadelphia. Austin, how, what are your thoughts on you know Yeager being back in the NBA and then coming back as an
1: assistant under Doc Rivers? Um, well, you know I'd heard rumblings that he might end up it's the the Pacers head coach Mm -hmm. um but you know over the past week or two I haven't really heard much about that again and then he just all of a sudden you know decided to take this assistant job with uh Doc Rivers staff in Philly Mm -hmm. um I think they're kind of bringing him in to run the defense I believe is what I've heard you know Doc Rivers is on record saying you know he Uh, this is a quote that I'm reading. It said, my teams have always been very good offensively in the top five. Overall, we score points. We can score points in a lot of different ways. We've got Ben that scores points, Tobias shake, Josh, meaning Richardson. Mm -hmm. Um, This team's loaded with talent. We've just got to figure out how to make it work best. Um, I just think, you know, he's obviously pretty confident in their offensive side of the ball. And I, and Dave Yeager is kind of known as a pretty smart guy. He's kind of one of those forward thinking guys that like, you know, if he was, if he was in the NFL, he would be one of these offensive coordinators that comes out of nowhere and takes the next big head coaching job. I feel like he's, Hmm. that's the kind of, at least before he was a head coach the first time, that's definitely the feel I had for him. Um, I, I don't, there's something to be said about too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't know if, if I really subscribe to that, if you look at what the Lakers just did, you know, they had, <laughs> and the Clippers, lot, you know, right, you know, that's they, kind of a
0: going trend though, you know, putting, mm-hmm. you know, guys with previous head coaching experience in, and we, the Sacramento Kings, we didn't do this on the show,
1: but they added Alvin Gentry to, right. For their team. So yeah. Kind of and a, a going so, thing. And, you know, another thing I keep hearing a lot about now is that if he, doesn't take one of these remaining head spots that Dan Tony might go be like the lead assistant for uh, Steve Brooklyn. Nash. How crazy would that be? That'd be pretty cool. I'd be interested to see how that goes because I feel like, you know, Dan Toney definitely spent the last few years kind of against what he really believes in, in terms of philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, before he went to Houston, it was all about ball movement and get everybody involved. And it just, you know, you've got James Harden, you got to do things a certain way. Um, but I like it. Dave Yeager, I think I was kind of expecting him to be, you know, maybe up for one of these head coaching jobs. So, you mm-hmm. know, taking that lead assistant job for Doc, I, I think, you know, there's worse jobs to have. Um, I was listening to an interview today actually about, you know, the difference between they were talking to Steve Clifford and they said, what's the difference between being the lead assistant and being the head coach? And I said, it's night and day. Said you get to do all the things coaching wise that you want to do, without any of the extra stuff around it. You know, you don't yeah. have to really answer to the media. You're not really the one getting blamed. Uh, you can kind of build a better relationship with the players versus having to be, you know, a little bit more of the judicious head guy that can't play favorites. Mm-hmm. And so, I think there's something to be said about that being a good job to take if you can't get, you know, the head coaching job you're looking at. And, you know, I think it's a good springboard to go from, you know, Doc Rivers lead assistant in Philly, because what if, you know, this team is still really talented. If they figure it out next year and are, you know, a contender or a really good team, you know, automatically, you know, he's going to be in the running for a head coaching job again right away.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. We're seeing it right now in L.A. We'll talk about some of the, you know, another assistant that played or that coached underneath Doc Rivers is, you know, going to be coaching as, as a head coach now. Right. Yeah. And, you know, adding Jaeger, I thought was great because Jaeger was kind of a player's coach in a sense, especially when he was in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I remember that was one of the only coaches that, you know, DeMarcus cousin had that he wasn't like, you know, outwardly, you know, demonstrative about on the court, you know, when you consider got guys like George Carl and, and, and coaches like that. So, I mean, coming out of Memphis, he was kind of known as a as a defensive minded guy, obviously, when he played with when he was, you know, there with Lionel Hollins, who is now another one of these guys who was a head coach that is now an assistant. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, His record, he has, you know, basically a 50 percent, you know, coaching record. Right. You know, in Memphis, he had some great teams. Sacramento was a tough, tough gig. And, uh, you know, his last season, he had a 47 win percentage, which was third in the Pacific out of five teams, which not bad for Sacramento, you know, considering who they had on that roster at that time. So I don't know. I I like the hiring of Jaeger, especially as a defensive minded guy, you know, you kind of hope that he can be between him and doc, you know, they can be guys that can light a match underneath guys like Embiid who, you know, you know how I feel about Embiid that Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the narrative that he is, you know, Lazy is kind of overblown because I don't know how you average, you know, 25 and 15 and and be called lazy. If that's lazy, I want to see what his full effort looks like. Right. And then Ben Simmons is obviously one of the best perimeter defenders in the game. You got guys who like, uh, you know, Al Horford, who was kind of known as a defensive guy when he was in Boston and kind of fell by the wayside here in Philly. That's going to be a tall task for this coaching staff because you're not really going to be able to move Al Horford you know maybe Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid goes but that's going to be kind of hard to get that defense lined up and getting a guy like Horford to be able to defend some of these smaller
1: guys in the NBA right yeah and uh, I don't know I think a little bit about of the narrative about the Sixers roster not fitting is a little bit overblown because I think at the end of the day talent really can kind of mask a lot of inefficiencies and i like what doc said about this team wanting to lean into being big you know mm-hmm. we just saw the lakers with a pretty much a super-sized lineup compared to what a lot of teams have nowadays um pretty much f- dominate these playoffs and kind of show that they were they had the flexibility to kind of do everything well and, it helps when you got to the top five players in the in the NBA on your team it does but i think a lot of think a lot of people think that you know, if they can make it work and really, you know, hone in on one common goal, I think a lot of people think Ben Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, they're not obviously top five, but, you know, are a good enough duo to, to make a championship run at least. Um, And, you know, they've definitely got pieces around them. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like this roster is a little bit old school in the sense that, it's it just blows me away that they they act like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can't play together. Like, yeah, I know they're not Kobe and Shaq, but Kobe and Shaq, Kobe wasn't the greatest shooter when he was there in, in mm-hmm. L.A. He he could he had a better mid range game, but he wasn't a, a spread the floor you know three point shooting guard like you know a lot of these guys are today. And I think a, a good solid pick and roll offense and you know some different things off of that. It doesn't have to all be drive and kick. It doesn't have to be space the floor and shoot 53s a game. You know, there's other ways. You know, we just saw this Lakers team. They're not a great three-point shooting team. You look up and down the roster, they don't seem like they have a lot of guys that would really space the floor and scare you from three. And they didn't really struggle at all. And um, I just – I think Philadelphia could kind of emulate that to a sense. Um, You know, I've always said – if you take two guys of equal skill and one 6'1 one and one 6'9, I'm going to take the guy who's 6'9 all day. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to see Ben Simmons start to at least try to shoot, I think, like everybody else. Has to at least attempt it Has to at least become, you know, something that the defense has to think about. Yeah. Because all that's going to do is open things up for him to attack even more. And the Lakers just won a title relying pretty much on two guys and really stout defense. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's showed in these playoffs that Ben Simmons was hurt. that They weren't the same team. But when he's Correct. out there, the, the, the 76ers are an elite defensive team for sure. And, um, you know, just this idea that they can't make this roster fit. I just think there's so much talent there. You know, it would really surprise me if someone doesn't figure out a way to kind of use to make that work a little bit better than it has.
0: Yeah. And I wonder how much of the, you know, the quote unquote process really played Apart into, you know, the players not really listening to Brett Brown because mm-hmm. although it was planned for him to lose, right? Like it's hard when you're used to losing, 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 then all of a sudden like, all right, guys who've like haven't won before, let's turn it on and listen to me because I know mm-hmm. what to do now. You know, it's right. It's really hard to imagine that Brett Brown had control of that locker room. Considering and,
1: that they lost so often. That's a really good point too. And, you know, they kind of brought up their two superstar players, you know, their two household names and and Simmons were brought up in a losing culture where mm-hmm. it was kind of like, you know, these these guys are the guys. They're gonna, they're supposed to be our saviors. They're gonna be what turns us around. And, you know, it would be hard to kind of take that from, you know, all right, here you guys go, do what you want, you know, play your game your way. Let's see if you can't win us some games to all right, now we actually have to start competing. You have to do things my way. You have to do things, you know, the way I say, or, you know, if you want it to work, you know, you've got to hold you accountable now where for three or four years, we probably didn't. And I think that's some of the story you hear out of Philly is that, you know, Embiid and Simmons were kind of allowed to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a player coach is great. And I think Doc Rivers is kind of known as a player's coach. But he also doesn't seem like the type that's going to like just let people get away with anything
0: and he's also got championship experience so Mm -hmm. i mean say say what you want and we've had you know pretty pretty good discussion on where we think doc rivers is but Mm -hmm. even regardless how you feel about him as a head coach it's really hard to argue that there are what seven guys six seven guys ahead of him in today's nba so i know his playoff records on the three ones and all I, i got it but he's still a he's still a pretty good head coach and so you got rid of the coach who, you know, had grown accustomed losing, and then all of a sudden players are supposed to buy in to, you know, him having the winning formula, and then mm-hmm. you ins- you take him out and insert a-, a coach with championship experience. I think that that's a last ditch effort you have before you really tear down this roster. Although it is rumored that Doc Rivers really likes Lamelo Ball and is willing mm-hmm. to trade, um, probably Ben Simmons in order to get him, which would be crazy. And that's something we could talk about on at another show. But um, moving into another move that has happened over the past couple of days, this actually happened yesterday. Daryl Morey steps down in Houston and he's mm-hmm. basically been tenured there for about 14 seasons, 13 as the lead decision maker. Um, we've seen all kinds of evolutions of this Houston Rockets roster built around. He has a 640 win to 400 loss record. Austin, how blown away were you by the decision for Daryl Morey to step down? I did not see it
1: coming at all. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of was expecting him to, you know, have his fingerprints all over who this next coaching hire would be. You know, some kind of, you know, move in another direction because it kind of seems like whenever you get the idea of you think you know what Daryl Morey's thinking, he kind of blows you away with some other, you know, way of thinking or changes his changes his tune and goes a different direction or you know brings in chris paul when the team supposedly was you know over the salary cap brings in russell westbrook when this team supposedly couldn't get any better and didn't have anywhere to go from here you know was able to move on from dwight howard when dwight howard's contract looked like it was going to be hard to move yeah and he kind of seemed like he's always been a step ahead um but that being said, this is an interesting one. Uh, I didn't see it coming, which does kind of make me think that maybe it is, you know, a true story that he wanted to step down and that it was a mutual decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people who think otherwise. And for very good reasons, there's all kinds of um, layers to this one, if you will. Um, you know, his owner, Tillman Fertitta, we talked about it earlier. You, As you said, he makes a lot of his money off of um, tourism, the tourism industry and restaurants and hotels and having people, you know, sitting down in butts and seats. Yep, butts and seats. And this might be their way of going cheap for a while, you know, to kind of cover their losses. And it also could be backlash from, you know, his remarks against China last year, which, you know, say what you want about that. I try not to get too political. It didn't bother me one way or the other. You know, I didn't really get too deep into what he said, um, but it did bother enough people that it bothered the Chinese government to the point where the game, game six of the finals, was the first game they aired in China in over a year. And, and it bothered the uh, even more money that the NBA lost, which I think was the bigger. Exactly. Yeah. He cost everybody a lot of money, and on top of that, he cost his owner even more money than really anybody else. You know, Before COVID happened, which right? Just is imagine more of a kick in the cross. Just imagine if something happened where, for an entire over, over a year, mm-hmm. basketball just stopped being shown on TV here. Like that's mind blowing. And then you can you consider the fact that the market in China is significantly larger than the market here. And while there may not be as many you know diehard fans there, or maybe there are, but it, it's a huge market of people. And I I think. That might have some to do with it, you know. You don't really fire a guy with his track record, um, <laughs> correct? You know, eight straight seasons in the playoffs, the most in the NBA. Um, you know, they've kind of been relevant the entire time he's been the GM. He's, yeah. The, I mean, getting know, guys like James Harden, right? You know, for pennies on that. the dollar, too. Correct. He, yeah. he, that was to this day that will I think will go down as one of the most lopsided trades. You know, in in our lifetime in the NBA,
0: like and then the Thunder, one of the biggest what ifs ever. You know, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and that that's a, another story that I could talk about all day for right. a right time. But uh, you know, I just I have a hard time believing that he's ready to just give up on basketball, as into it as he seems. As mm-hmm. you know, if you hear him give interviews, like the guy wrote a play about. Basketball, like a a love story play. It's a little weird, but like it's about. A race of like little people that they find that find out about basketball for the first time and it's like it's a musical it's really weird but he, he's <laughs> that he's, sounds he's, weird I had no idea that this was yeah yeah <laughs> uh, he did an interview a couple years ago with uh on the um Dan Levitard show where he talks all about it and like he's well, got that's like, like a perfect like, format
0: for him to talk about right. weird
1: stuff the exactly. Dan Levitard show is like
0: I, I'm not a fan I just I can't get into it like Nothing I didn't, used to, be. I didn't used to personally I didn't used to be weird.
1: It is weird, but if you listen to it every day and you start to understand the jokes, it is. It does have some funny stuff to it. If but, you dilute but,
0: your, if you
1: dilute yourself and lower if, your standards, if you're looking for what we do, <laughs> you know, in terms of talking about sports and talking about basketball, that's not the place to look. Definitely, right. but there is some that's, entertainment that's what value it is there. for me.
0: Like it's just like I'm not even watching anything about sports. This is right. more of
1: like a and. So, you know, like you said, it's a perfect opportunity for him to kind of show how weird of a guy he really is. Mm -hmm. But I I just don't think you see a guy whose day job is working 60 hours a week about basketball that goes off in his free time and writes a play about basketball is suddenly so motivated to go do something else in his career. You know, move on to different challenges like Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you've seen the Rockets more than once have put in like formal complaints to the league and tried to (laughs) get games replayed. Like I think he was consumed by making it to the finals. And I don't think he, I don't think he willingly stepped away from a team that's, you know, never really not competed since he's been there unless he had another job lined up, which it doesn't look like at least right away he's got. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he could have one right away if he wanted one. I don't know how you feel about that, but.
0: I mean, you, you consider some of the teams that are made, you know, some of the decision makers that are in the NBA right now, Mm -hmm. I mean, 640 and 400, like regardless how you feel about James Harden, like this has nothing to do with James Harden. If you're just looking Mm -hmm. for a guy that is good at making basketball decisions, just basketball, not like, you know, geopolitical or whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. just basketball decisions. He, you could do a lot worse (laughs) than that. You know what I mean? And, you know, not, right. not willing to crack eggs to make an omelet, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is that type of dude that he's willing to pick things up. Uh, you know, he went small ball this season. What I think happened, right. Is basically this is an admission of failure on his part, right. Like to some mm-hmm. extent, because if you do have finals expectations, you, know, you don't make it it's a failure. Like look at everyone was saying to the Clippers right now, you know, that was a failure because mm-hmm. they didn't even make the Western conference finals even though there was a whole bunch of different conditions surrounding the team. You know, they made enough noise where they drew the attention and then they fell short. So that's a failure, right? Same thing goes with the the Houston Rockets. You know, you could argue that they were a Chris Paul injury or away from, you know, a finals appearance and probably getting a ring. You know, I mean, that's going to go down as another one of the biggest what-ifs ever in NBA history. Um, It was rumored that after, you know, the loss to the Lakers in Orlando, that he said that he wanted to step down. Um, something you brought up earlier, Austin, he is going to be a part of the next, uh, The he is going to be a part of bringing in the next head coach. Um, mm-hmm. So he, that's going to be kind of his little farewell tour. I don't know if, if it's going to be kind of a, you know, kind of a stick it to the man before you leave. I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he wouldn't do that. Um, there, uh, speaking of, you know, what you're going to be, to what you brought up as far as what uh, Tillman Fertitta is going to be doing, they're bringing in um, Raphael Stone, who is like the assistant or vice president of basketball operations. So Mm -hmm. already an in-house guy, maybe slight pay raise, but um, he's unproven as being a lead decision maker. Maybe this is just kind of, you know, he's happy to kind of be the lead guy now. Maybe he Mm -hmm. keeps his current pay and his understanding of the current market. Um, So maybe pinching a little bit of pennies there. But I also think, you know, going back to an admission of failure, I think Daryl Morey kind of looks at this roster, looks at the contract situation there, and is like, I can't do anything with this anymore. Like you mentioned that he's always been able to, you know, flip contracts and stuff like that. If you're Daryl Morey, you can't be the guy that trade James Harden, and I don't think, right, Um I think if it's either you or Harden, Maury's got to go because Harden is an MVP. Say what you want about his play style. It, it's working for him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to some extent. You know, we can argue that Chris Paul thing again, but I don't really want to. Uh, maybe with Westbrook commanding so much of the salary cap um, with Eric Gordon kind of, you know, looks like he's kind of stepped down his, you know, production and he's commanding a good bit of the salary cap as well Mm -hmm. it's going to be a tough sell for anybody to come into houston to uh to turn this team around and now there's rumors already is hard and available now and things like that if they're going to bring in jeff van gundy as their head coach which it's looking more and more likely especially with another guy that we're going to talk about here in a second Mm -hmm. being off the market right i don't know how interested Jeff Van Gundy is in a rebuilding project. So I don't think that Harden is going anywhere. Right. Westbrook. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I don't imagine Westbrook being able to be moved unless it's for another injury prone guy, like maybe say a John Wall or a a Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. um, maybe a Gordon Hayward. If you're lucky, I highly doubt that the Celtics are interested in Russell Westbrook which is another part of the trade aspect I think people ignore is like, how does it help the other team? Cause normally teams aren't interested in just loading up talent on one team for nothing. You know what I mean? So having said all that, how
1: do you feel about the future of
0: Houston with Maury stepping down?
1: Well, you know, it could, it could be just as simple as that he saw the writing on the wall. Like you said that, you know, this might be my best opportunity to step away from the game for a year, you know, Mm -hmm check out the landscape, take a look at everything, see what my options are. Because, you know, like you said, 640 and 400 is, is crazy. You yeah. know, that's an incredible record. Um, he's going to be, you know, coveted wherever he decides to go. Um, so it may just be that, that he said, you know, I've done everything I can do because I think everybody knows and I think deep down, he kind of knew it too, that there was always kind of a ceiling with this James Harden, Russell Westbrook Right. Preparing. Like, you know, I don't think anybody thought, oh man, they upgraded from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. Here we go. The Rockets are the favorites. And gave
0: away a first round draft pick for their troubles, too.
1: Right. And so, you know, it's not like they have an easy road to bring in new young talent. It's not like they have a bunch of cap space. It's it's not a very, I don't think. I think it's not gonna be very popular. Um in the next couple of years, I think they're they're going to have some tough times in Houston ahead of mm-hmm. them. And it's just, it's funny to see how just different one fan base can be than the next versus, you know, one situation versus the next, because I'm sure there's tons of NBA fans that would be happy to be in the rocket situation year in and year out, you know, at least in the hunt for the playoffs, you know, yeah, Houston's a, a market that's won titles before that's, you know, obviously you get to a point where, okay, just being there isn't enough. You want to make it to the next level, but they've had a lot of success for a long time. Um, I think everything you said kind of hit the nail on the head about, you know, not wanting to be the guy to trade James Harden, not Mm -hmm. really, you know, why go through this big rebuild that, you know, you really didn't give yourself a whole lot of wiggle room to get out of a lot of this, you know, it's going to get bad before it gets good there. That's for sure. And, And, you know, unless they just, Hit in the second round or late first round on some, you know, diamond in the rough superstar like, you know, which has happened in the NBA before. But you know, you'd have to get really lucky for something like that. You know, for every Jokic you find with the forty seventh pick or whatever, there's, you know, ten thousand other guys that don't work out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so you know, European basketball. Right. And you know, there's just there's a lot of facets to this. It tells me them going with his replacement. It could be one of two things. It could be that, you know, he did really want to step away and they weren't really prepared for it or think that, Hey, you know, we want to keep kind of keep going in this direction. This guy's already on board with this. Mm -hmm. It's been stated that the guys that are taking over are, are pretty into uh, the small ball idea. They're pretty into the analytics, you know, so it might be the easiest way to just transition when they didn't really necessarily want to lose Daryl Morey, or they got rid of him and replaced him with his assistant because it's cheap and you know they know that like they maybe they see the writing on the wall too that yeah there's no point in bringing in a big spend you know BM's not going to go anywhere so I don't know I think if you're a Houston fan um, I'm not super excited about your prospects going forward. I hate to say that. I try to give a lot of love and, and, you know, I always feel like, you know, James Harden is a superstar or close to it. If depending on what you, how you, you know, hash that out, but you know, so there's always a chance they do have a lot of talent on that team. Um, But going forward, they don't really have a whole lot of pretty contracts that look easy to move. They don't have a whole lot of, of their own picks or extra picks or anything like that. And they're, you know, there's only so much you can do when you're perennially right up against the cap, and you know aren't drafted fairly high in the draft. It, it eventually you just kind of run out of ways to, you know, reshape this roster and keep it relevant. So, you know, I think the future's kind of bleak in Houston. But that being said, you know, it, things could turn around quickly. They get the right coach. They get some new young, innovative mind in there. Maybe, hopefully, I kind of wish that it's that not would be Matthew the. Gundy. Yeah, that's that's going to make even less sense if they hire him and then decide that this team's not going to go any further. <laughs> right. Which, yeah, it's it's not going to look good
0: for Van Gundy. I think that, right. I mean, obviously he's a big boy, you know, he can, he can make his own decisions, but mm-hmm. like, this is going to be a tough situation for Van Gundy to come back into, especially and maybe that's why more, didn't want to be the guy to say, yeah, I want this to be the head coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And you because know he's kind of a he's kind of an analytical guy, more he is. And mm-hmm. you know, Van Gundy has been on record as, you know, being super critical of the NBA. Um, has been super critical of, you know, officiating, which maybe mm-hmm. that's why he is a Houston Rocket favorite, because he doesn't like the way
1: games are officiated. You know, who knows? Right. Yeah. You know, it does kind of seem to all match up. I just it's it seems like they've sent out a lot of mixed signals. You know, Van Gundy tells you that they want to compete again right away, but mm-hmm. losing Morey says that you know maybe they're worried about money, or maybe he just didn't want to be there anymore, yeah. or maybe they just didn't think he was the right guy for the job anymore. Which I don't really see that being too much of the case. So, Fortuna
0: has done some crazy moves too to try to avoid mm-hmm. like uh, re- repeater luxury taxes and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which. I mean, I get he's a successful businessman. Maybe he doesn't want to just give away money for the sake of competing in the NBA. Right. You know, not every owner does that. So mm-hmm. it it's crazy. It's a it's a crazy situation in Houston. It is. And speaking of crazy situations, um, a move that we talked about, one that had been rumored for a while. Uh, we know that I'm that I wasn't a super big fan of this idea, but you know, I'm I'm not the one making decisions, obviously. But uh, Tyronn Lue, or Ty Lue, as he's often referred to as, is replacing his uh, you know, former head coach that he coached with this season um, as the new head coach uh, in L.A. for the Clippers. And a guy that I just wish was outright the new head coach now, uh, Chauncey Billups, is brought in as the assistant.
1: Austin, how are you feeling about this move for the Clippers? Um, I don't know if it moves the needle a lot in terms of how much different this roster, this team's going to play next year. You know, you bring in a guy that was already in the locker room for a team that reportedly had kind of locker room issues that, you know, mm-hmm. didn't really build a chemistry. Um did you feel like Cleveland, when he was there, were a team of best friends that all got along and were buddy-buddy all the time? Or did they kind of seem like a team that just knew that they were together to try to win a title and put up with each other? You know, I, I kind of feel the latter more than anything. I never really got the feeling like Kevin Love, Kyrie, and LeBron were, you know, best friends. Or like LeBron had a whole lot of, you know, buddies on that roster. And I mean, if you had J.R. Smith, Channing Frye, Richard Jefferson. True. Yeah, he did um, have some, Yeah, you know, James,
0: know. you know, champ was on that squad. So, yeah, I mean, he wasn't
1: devoid of, you know,
0: relationships.
1: Right. It just, I don't know. I didn't feel like Ty Lu came in and, and built a lot of camaraderie on the bench on that roster or really. Did, I mean, we did saw it. what happened with Kyrie Irving and LeBron. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit for that ring anyway, which I think is, you know, a little bit naive. I think it takes a good coaching job to win any title, regardless of who's on your team. You have to give the head coach, you know, at least some credit for it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, he's, he's making
0: decisions to some, so to some level, is he a better coach than doc rivers in your mind? I don't think so. I'm not really, I'm not real high on Ty, Ty Lou. Um, yeah. I, to me, I understand the 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 logic in getting in and bringing him in. You know, he he's won a ring with LeBron, who they're competing against. You know, it's their rival now. Um, I, I get the, I understand why people want this hire to work, and he is a, uh, you know, like I said, he's a championship head coach. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I I understand it. I just I do give him some credit for what he did um in cleveland but i don't know how much i can give like and how like this 40 percent good enough like i don't i don't know like i we just saw lebron we've seen lebron win in three separate places regardless of who the coach is right like i'm really high on eric spolstra and we've seen um you know how how successful he's been in miami you, you know even just this year um, Frank Vogel has had some playoff success and went up
1: against LeBron a lot in
0: the east and now he got LeBron and now he's a champion in the west right so you know Frank
1: Vogel is a guy too that his story's a little weird he, he doesn't get a whole lot of credit but you know his Indiana teams early in his career kind of overachieved to an extent too and even now you know he comes in in his first year with LeBron and wins a title and it's like well what how much did he really have to do with it you know yeah well and he's a defensive guy and that defense mm-hmm. was really good so
0: again um, and Robbie just wrote in and said, uh, Got to manage the personalities for sure in the NBA, even if it's not X's and O's, which is what I think that Doc Rivers was there for. I mean, if you mm-hmm. want to talk about managing personalities, this guy had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, R- and Rajon Rondo, and Kendrick Perkins, and James Posey, and uh, Sam Cassell, like um, Eddie House. He had, you know, Glenn Big Baby Davis, um, Leon Poe. He had personalities on that team mm-hmm. and he managed them to, to get a ring, right? So, um, right. I just I'm not a big believer in the X's and O's portion of Ty Lue, and I know that that's not everything that goes into coaching. And then, yeah, you know, I'm very well aware of that. You know, Phil Jackson is um, he had one he had one offense that he ran, and it was a system. It wasn't like a play by play. This is what you do. It was more like a philosophy. And then, you know, he he massaged egos, right? Um, But you got guys like Jerry Sloan and Greg Popovich who are more X's and O's oriented with less personalities and more successful. Right. So there's a, there's a trade off there. It's not like people will say, well, the NBA, you have to manage egos. You do, but you also have to, you know, actually coach too. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm just not a big believer in Tylew and just some, some stats I want to run by you real quick, actually his record. So he was brought on in the 15, 16 season, mm-hmm. um, only coached 41 games, which is a half a season. Won sixty six percent of those games and won a championship in his first season. Great start, um, right? You know, second season, finally coached his first full year. Um, he went from sixty six win percentage to sixty two, um, and lost in the finals. Third season, um, another full season. Uh, you know, win percentage dropped again to sixty one percent. Lost in the NBA finals, right? So. This is where it gets kind of kind of tricky, right? Where you say he lost in he lost more every year, um, mm-hmm. made it to the finals three times, only won it in his first year on the shorter season, right? And then we all know what happened um, after that. And then 2018 and 19, he only got to coach six games, lost all six of those games, and was fired, mm-hmm. right? So this is one of those things where. You know, bringing him into a team that's already capable of winning on their own, how much of credit do you get to give him for coaching that team? You know what I mean? Because you know, if he goes zero six when he's got just a potential all star and Kevin Love, and they go to an zero and six start after losing LeBron and, and Kyrie, how much of it is coaching
1: with, with Ty Lue if he comes in to be the head coach? Um, I'm with you. I don't know how much he. X's and O's wise, he moves the needle. I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, Bobby just said I never really liked Ty Lu as a head coach, even though he won. I'm kind of the same way. I kind of feel like when you look on the sideline, does he and you see him on the bench? Does he kind of give you this air of confidence, like he's got everything under control? You know, and I just don't feel that from him. Um, I, I get that a lot more from Doc Rivers. And then I do him where I feel like he's always, you know, calm, cool, and collected no matter what's going on. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem to let things get to really fluster him. And, you know, there were all the things that came out about, you know, having some mental health problems. Ty Lou did, had some issues with, you know, anxiety brought on, I'm sure by trying to coach LeBron and the amount of pressure that that comes with. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. I'm not taking anything away from him. I think it takes a lot just to even come out and say that, let alone you know have to actually deal with it. So, mm-hmm. not by any means saying that that's a negative on him. I just feel like if that was the issue before, is going to this LA team with Kawhi and Paul George, that um, you know, is this going to be any less of a high pressure situation because he's going right back in to a much bigger market than mm-hmm. Cleveland where they're expected to win. They're expecting, you know, NBA finals is really, you know, it's pretty obvious with them getting rid of Doc Rivers that at least the conference finals is, is the minimum of what they expect. And, you know, not only that it's by far the most publicized instance. I remember of hearing about chemistry issues being what derailed a team. So, you know, this is a tall order for anybody coming in. Well that too. and the Lakers when they brought in, you know, Dwight and Nash and Yeah, yeah. yeah that that was probably be, that would probably be the last probably time. be similar. And yeah. you know, Mike Brown got fired pretty quick into into that experiment too. Um you know I well, agree with what again. Brown, right. Like Mike Brown in Cleveland, he you mm-hmm. know went
0: to the finals with LeBron James. I mean how much mm-hmm. of that was coaching? You know, look at that roster right. that he had like it wasn't completely devoid of talent, but there wasn't like mm-hmm. a, a clear cut all star so, I right. mean, like, and, and Mike Brown got chance after chance after chance. Is this going to be a kind
1: of a similar situation with Tyron Lue? I don't know. Um, I, I just, I agree with what Robbie said that, you know, it's a downgrade, I think, in my eyes. Um, to not me, it even, it's more of the same. It's yeah, like, that's where I was kind of, that's yeah. kind of what I was just about to say. It's the same. It's someone right from his coaching staff. Yes. Yeah. You know, you kind of like you said, is Doc Rivers one of the seven best coaches in the NBA? Yeah, sure. I'll give you that probably. I do think he's a little overrated, but I don't think there's six or more than six coaches or five even that are better than him. And the only reason you get rid of a coach like that is if you, A, you think you're ready to win right now and you need somebody that can come in and do that right away. Or B, you think there's some hot young commodity or, you know, new up and comer that's you've got to get you jump on before mm-hmm. he goes somewhere else. And that's obviously not what they thought. Um, does Ty Lou make you a title contender right away? I mean, his track record says his first year with a team. I mean, the only chance he's had, he's won. So, I mean, come on though. Like this is what I'm talking about. When you have,
0: you have prime LeBron James, you right. have prime Kyrie Irving and prime
1: Kevin Love. Like, and then how, how he, much of it was David Blatt just being in his own way, too? You know, well, David yeah, Blatt
0: was, that was such a weird hire, too. Let's bring the in an, an, an Israeli head coach, probably be really good where he was coaching, right? right? Like,
1: it's a completely different style of basketball, mm-hmm. man. Like, you people you wonder why LeBron James thing? left twice, you know? I mean, they make these yeah. weird decisions everywhere, like all throughout his time in Cleveland. You know, we talked about it with your buddies the other day, you know. Mm-hmm. They refuse to trade J.J. Hickson to get Amari Stoudemire. You know they yeah. sign a, a head coach from Europe with no NBA experience, no NBA relationships, really whatsoever. And you know it, they're not exactly the most well-run franchise. Yeah, ran a, a Princeton-style
0: offense too, which, like, come on, like that's not gonna work, man. And right again, like for. The, what would you say is the biggest thing going in
1: Tai Lu's favor as far as his coaching ability? The fact that he was a former player, maybe, and that he's you know he's a, from what you hear around the league, he is well respected by the players. I, I think probably more so than he is by you or me or the media in general or you know most fans. But you know, I think there's something to be said about that. But I'm not the biggest Tai Lu fan in. in a lot of different ways you know I never I never really saw how like the makings of some great head coach when he played for the Lakers those years or you know when he was a player he didn't really seem like a guy that was out there running the show you know and I know a point guard do that for the most part to an extent but Mm -hmm. Chauncey Billups fits that mold to me more than he does
0: correct like he's a more I mean because Ty Lue like to his credit, it was a part of some good teams, but he wasn't like a, like a key. Was never even really a starter. Yeah, like that's the thing. But you got a guy like Mr. Big Shot, you know, who has won a ring, and you know has been an all star and is more accomplished. They could probably speak to, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with more like a "Hey, I know exactly how you feel" type thing, or exactly right. what you're going through, as opposed to Ty Lue saying, "Hey, I remember when I played with Kobe." or with, you know, whoever, like, I remember seeing this guy going through the same situation, you know, like Chauncey Billups could speak directly to that, you know, and he, and Chauncey Billups is a, is a guy who, you know, started rough, has been on some bad teams and things like that. He'd been on some teams that had high expectations and didn't compete. Like he knows exactly what these guys are going through and he's just a sharp guy. Like I thought he would, could even go into a front office if he really wanted to, but, um, I'm really maybe that's what Ty Lue does. Maybe his biggest edge as a coach is relationships. Yeah. Because if you could bring in a guy that's respected, like Chauncey Billups, who did play in that same era as him, and probably does have that respect, because this was a this was something that had been rumored that Billups and Lou were going to be linked together. You know, back when Brooklyn was still looking for coaches, mm-hmm. or when Philly was rumored to be getting them too. They were like almost a a package deal together, which kind of leads me to: Does Sam Cassell have something lined up? Do you think, or is he going to take? Is he going to stay the third coach in in, in LA? Because yeah. there's a lot of circulation that he is looking to be a head coach somewhere. You know, there are some openings available. What does this do for Sam Cassell in your eyes?
1: Well, a couple things about that. First off, Chauncey Billups has been rumored to wanting. And as wanting to be a coach for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he's wanted to be a head coach for this long, why hasn't he jumped into an assistant spot yet to this point? You know, I think it's kind of, yeah, he does have a great track record and a great resume. You know, he was arguably the best or second best player on that Pistons team. You know, if if he wasn't the best, he made the most, you know, the most big shots. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's where he gets his nickname from it's a big shot, yes. But uh, you know, so there is something to be said there about, you know, he kind of just it felt like he was waiting for his opportunity, whether rather than going out and trying to get it himself. Yeah, because so, he was rumored to be uh, the the Cavaliers at one point were mm-hmm. rumored to be interested in bringing. So, him on. you know, if you really want to be a coach that bad, take a year as an assistant, you know, sit on the bench, get some get some, you know, coaching experience. And then I'm sure lots of teams would love to have him after a year or two of doing that um and then Sam Cassell's done that. Sam Cassell's been kind of in the same boat. You know, he's won mm-hmm. titles before. He's had a great NBA career. He's a little bit older, you know, than Billups, but he's he's put in the work yeah. and now he gets passed up as the lead assistant by a guy who's been in, you know, the broadcast booth for quite a few years now. Um I don't know. I I could see um you know, I said from a while ago, I thought D'Antoni would fit the Pacers. You know, maybe he could go there with D'Antoni. Yeah, I, don't I, still, know. I still don't believe it with that roster, that that is a D'Antoni <sighs> roster. I, I, have, I have to start feeling like if they haven't gone after him yet, they don't want him that bad, or he doesn't want to be there that bad, so... Maybe there's that's too many, not there's too many big men on that roster. Yeah, but I mean it's it's easy to move one of those two guys. You know, I mean I think both of them have have pretty pretty high value right now. So bonus is an all-star, and I think you and I both are pretty yeah, high Miles, on Miles Turner, Turner. Yeah, love Miles and, Turner. So, you know, I think that that could be something that could be remedied fairly quickly. And um, you know, it, it still may be the case, it may not be. I, I've heard, you know, Sam Cassell linked to Multiple different possible open jobs. You know the um, New Orleans job is still open, right? Yeah, you know, and Stan Van Gundy is rumored to be kidding that job. Right. And you know that I I wouldn't mind that. I, I like Stan Van. I like Gundy. Stan I think, over Jeff as a coach. Me I know too. That. And I think Stan's stands a little more more equipped to yeah. to work with a young roster like that than than maybe a lot of these other guys we've been hearing about. But just you know, don't let him be
0: general manager,
1: right? And that doesn't work. You know, if you think about that, I just was listening to an interview about that. You know, the coach has to be emotional. We need to win right now. You need to get me the best players and we need to, to win today. Whereas mm-hmm. the GM has to be completely, you know, Bird's devoid, eye. devoid of emotion, can't let any kind of thoughts get in their mind other than what's best for the future of this team. Mm-hmm. So it's two really totally different jobs that almost are at odds if, you know, if you're being really honest about it, because, you know, everybody wants to make that move to win right now. But, you know, that's not always the right move to make. And that's that's two really hard jobs to try to juggle. I mean, Doc Rivers couldn't do it. Stan Van Gundy couldn't do it. Uh, you know, Popovich did it for a while. Tom Thibodeau could not do it. Tom Thibodeau couldn't do it. Popovich, you know, Popovich and Belichick are the only two coaches in sports in between, you know, the real major sports where it's worked. And but those are know, the big exceptions, not the rule. Right. right. And so. and Belichick is is probably the least emotion-driven guy in the history of sports. Like <laughs> emotion never even enters into it with him, I don't think. He's yeah. like a robot. But you know, so I don't think a good head coach can be a good GM in the NBA because you need someone that's pretty passionate and and kind of you know, let's win now versus a guy that says, you know, hey, we've got to think about the future. But I would like to see Oklahoma City make a play for Sam Cassell. Yeah. That'd be another good job for him. I think he deserves a job somewhere. That's that was kind of my overarching point about all this before we got off topic a little bit. Oh sorry but, we do um, that sometimes. Right. But um you know maybe he has something lined up maybe he doesn't. Maybe the Pacers will make him their head coach. That'd be kind of cool. That would like be another him, great one. I'd like to see him get a get an opportunity. And I don't think the the Pacers' job might not be as good as the Pacers think it is. Um, I don't it's know. If, not it's probably one of the better ones that are still available. though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would rather go to Indiana than Houston at this point. Yeah, um, I, th- I mean, maybe you could. Unless put you're it. just a fir- young first-year head coach that says, "Okay, I'm just happy to be to be here." Yeah, maybe Oklahoma
0: City with all those picks, maybe New Orleans with obviously Zion, like whoever gets whoever gets paired up with that job is looking to boost their resume, you know, moving forward because you got Ingram, Zion, Lonzo, picks,
1: like lots of picks, you know, mm -hmm. they got, you know. Couple other young, interesting guys, Jackson Hayes, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Josh Mm -hmm. Hart. You know, they got a good young roster there. Um, I still think Kenny Atkinson would be a pretty good, pretty good head coach in New Orleans with that roster, you
0: know. Yeah, I mean, and Robbie just brought up the face of the earth. Yeah, Robbie brought up a cool point, you know, maybe doing the coaching by committee, speaking to what we were saying earlier with the Clippers. That's what I think the NBA is going towards Mm -hmm. now. I think that you're almost having these all star. You know, these like super teams of just coaching staffs now is what you're mm-hmm. seeing. And, you know, the Clippers did it this year. The Lakers did it this year. You're seeing the the, the 76ers are kind of looking to do that now. You know, it's mm-hmm. the Clippers are doing that again this year by bringing in Billups. Um, maybe well, Nash and Antonio will be, Houston be together. Rockets.
1: The Houston yeah. Rockets were kind of the first team I remember hearing about having like a defensive coordinator in basketball. Yeah, and you know it's kind of you're right. It is kind of the trend. That's what it's what it's kind of moving to. And you know sometimes there is an instance of too many cooks in the kitchen. But I I think you know everybody kind of said how long does Frank Vogel have this head coaching job before Jason Kidd takes over? Well, yeah. you saw that did that didn't come to fruition at all.
0: Well, and now a kid is looking. He may be coaching in New Orleans or mm-hmm. um, Houston is another. You know, Which- Houston in New Orleans. It's either going to be they're going for you know. Kid and Atkinson, or they're going
1: for the Van Gundy brothers. Like that's what I'm hearing a lot. Yeah, and you know, wouldn't it be interesting to see Jason Kidd, who's kind of been talked about, at you know Lonzo Ball's kind of been compared to him a lot. Yeah, Uh, you know, get to coach and mentor Lonzo Ball. And you know, here's something I thought about that was pretty off the wall. That you know I don't think would ever happen. What if Stan and Jeff decided to team up and coach together? I don't th- I mean I don't see it, it happening but it'd be fun. That it would be. I imagine those two one decides to coach the offense, one decides to coach the defense, we see who fights who first and yeah. Uh, I it would, I think it'd be it'd be dramatic television for sure.
0: Well, it, the interesting thing about them coaching Houston and New Orleans is that they would be rivals, you know, within that mm-hmm. division, you know, the Southwest division, so that would be kind of interesting to see the Van, Van Gundys go head to head.
1: In terms of you know the coaching carousel and all the different openings and who's getting what job, this is I feel like been one of the more unexpected uh, kind of you know coaching change periods this year. You right. know I've, I've seen some openings that I didn't expect to see. I've seen some openings that I expected to be filled right away, not get filled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's quite a few open jobs still. You know, and there's a lot of different lot of different guys that you first heard were like, you know, Ime Udoka was a name that people brought up a lot that I haven't heard heard about in weeks. You know, yeah. Jason Kidd was somebody that everybody said might get a head coaching job, and he's still kind of around there, but I feel like he doesn't have a whole lot of momentum. Kenny Atkinson, I feel like, has just kind of disappeared in terms of, you know, right. coaching. And it was just like, well, Doc Rivers got fired, so let's, you know, let's hire him right away. And then, Oh, we're going to take his assistant. And it just, I don't know. I feel like there were better options out there. And New York
0: has probably like, I'm sorry to hate the, you know, the bash on the Knicks, but like, could you imagine like the Knicks just for whatever reason, like no other movement was happening. They felt like they had to get Tom Thibodeau right then and there. Yeah. And looking at all these other coaches that are moving, you know, doc rivers, Jason Kidd, Phil, Phil handy is a guy that, it, everyone is saying that oh he should and you bring up Wes Unsell Jr. a lot like
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're not getting any shine and then you got like just perennial retreads and Tom Thibodeau the Van Gundy's should not be allowed to coach anymore like I'm sorry like time's up guys mm-hmm. you know just, just stick to what you're doing because you're great at what you're doing and you're making a lot of money but like let's get you know guys like Phil Handy, Wes Unsell
1: Jr., Sam Cassell you know guys like that let's get them some shine I almost feel like I agree with you, but I almost feel like Stan Van Gundy, just listening to him on the radio and on TV as much as I have, he kind of seems like he's settled into this role as like a gap coach almost, like a guy that will come in for a couple years and, you know, help build up your roster, but then he's going to eventually get replaced by the next guy. And that's just, you know, maybe not, maybe, maybe that's not you know the case but i i kind of feel like if he does go to new orleans then that would kind of probably be you know the role he's looking to take there or they're looking for him to take at least i, I don't know i don't know if if any nba championship contending roster is going to look out there and say san van gundy's our guy you know well, i don't know how there. you're a, an
0: up-and-coming team like new orleans and think Van Gundy is going to, you know, take us places.
1: You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. I, mean, I don't know that, that he, yeah. that, that he has that reputation. I think it's more like, you know, he's, he's got a lot of NBA knowledge. He can help, you know, kind of develop this young roster until we can find the next guy that we want to be, you know, our championship coach or whatever. I don't know.
0: It's just crazy. The whole,
1: you know, there's a lot of, a so. lot of different ways. All of this could still go. Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, there could be some job openings available here soon that we didn't know about. I'm surprised
1: that Sacramento is keeping Luke Walton. Like, what the heck is he doing in the right. NBA right uh, There's another job that should be open that should be going to one of these newer guys. Yeah, you know, Luke, Walton, Luke Walton's got the name. So, yeah, he,
0: he hurt the Lakers, and he didn't do anything really for the Kings. And now he's bringing in Alvin Gentry to be his assistant. So, like, right. and Luke Walton... Supposed to be an offensive coach, mm-hmm. and he's now bringing in Alvin Gentry. So, admission of yeah. defeat.
1: I, I don't know. I think you know you got to bring in anybody you can at that point in the situation he's in. It kind of seems like um, you know we even said it before. I, I think Sacramento is just about the only team in the West that has no chance to even compete. Like the West is going to be loaded from top to bottom, mm-hmm. and I mean they're they're significantly below just about everybody else, at least in my mind. Yeah,
0: and we're going to be talking about that Sunday when we do our way too early power rankings, which again, I already have my list together. I don't know where you're at in in the development. I've I've got it pretty well figured out. Okay, right Um, on. It's not as pretty as yours, but it's done. Well, I actually, you know, Jeff, who's going to be on the show, he's kind of my inspiration as far as, you know, creating graphics and stuff like that. I feel like I'm still drawing in Crown while he's, you know, basically, you know, Bob Ross. But yeah,
1: (laughs) some of the guys, some of the guys that do like our, photoshop stuff for gcsn or just they just blow me away yeah people just got the skill for it i'm trying to Mm -hmm. get better i like
0: to be able to at least be dangerous from you know all you know any aspect that i can be right Mm -hmm. but for sure yeah and uh that's gonna wrap it up here for the show uh austin you got anything for the game change sports network that you want to throw a plug in there for um
1: not anything too much i'm still working on uh kind of a, a big article uh, i should have coming out this weekend it's uh you know the thing everybody loves to to talk about so much is who i you know why i think lebron james is is my goat and you know mm-hmm. where he ra- ranks all time so i'm kind of doing a lot of work on that trying to get it you know just perfect to where i want it to be it's going to be a little bit longer read than anything i've probably written before so i'm pouring all my all my efforts into that currently um And then, you know, I'll be doing like a a Bears game recap this weekend, which I do every week. So um, nothing too out of the ordinary yet. I'm working on some things for our show, too. So Mm -hmm. I I got a lot of that to keep me busy.
0: Right on. Yeah. And uh, at the Off the Ball Network, I just did a um, scouting profile on James Wiseman. Finally got that up. Um, It it is available on uh, OffTheBallNetwork.com um go and uh check that out and uh robbie i just appreciate you hanging out with yeah, us for the, for the day and uh you know keeping the comments coming robbie you're you're a great appreciate guest i are sure sure. to see you every time that we do a show but um yeah go check out game change sports network oh just a little bit of news for the off the ball network we got a sponsor it's a uh, monkey knife fight it's kind of like a uh, DraftKings type thing like fantasy you know betting on sports nice. and stuff like that so um we'll probably have some um you know, putting some promos up here on the show just for that because you know the show is half brought to you by off the ball network which is now going to be affiliated with uh monkey knife fight which is a pretty interesting that's name cool. but uh yeah and we got our we got a sponsor for the for the network now so pretty that's awesome pretty good things happening. oh yeah man appreciate it my president chris lebron is uh doing a lot of great work man he he does a lot of hustling for the team and uh you know, just appreciate all he does. And uh, Chris, if you're watching, just remember I'm saying nice things about you, bro. But, but anyway, um, yeah, just anybody watching, uh, listening now and or later, uh, just appreciate love and support. Tell your friends about us, you know, like, share, subscribe, you know, leave a okay. review for us on uh, iTunes and Spotify. What have you just appreciate the love. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys here within just in the next couple of days. Austin, say something nice to the folks.
1: Yeah. You know, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for, you know, tuning in. Robbie, thank you for, you know, the great comments and questions and whatever, you know, whatever you have to add. We always love to hear it. You know, it it makes us I think it makes it more fun personally. Oh, yeah. I love the dialogue. Yeah, for sure. Me too. So, you know, anybody that takes time out of their day to actually listen to us or, you know, watch watch the two of us, you know, go back and forth about this (laughs) stuff. I appreciate it. Um, you know, there's a million other things you could be spending your time on or listening to in your free time. So anybody that listens to us, you know, I've got a ton of love for you guys. Um, you know, Steven does a lot of great work. He's always putting in, you know, extra time outside of the show, getting his stuff ready. You know, he's always got... You're you're one of the few people that I can honestly say that's ever really changed my perspective on certain things when you and I talk about it. Like I'm usually pretty like, well, how could you ever see this anyway? But this, and then you know, you've got 18 bullet points about how you could see it from the other side, and I'm like, you know, that does make a lot of sense. So you know, take that. You know, that's a pretty big compliment coming from me. So,
0: well, I don't take it lightly, man. I know that you that you know your stuff, and if I can get you to at least see another point of view, like that's a that that means a lot and uh just say same in return for you you know you know your mm-hmm. knowledge of the game obviously i respected it enough to you know take my show solo by myself and co-host it
1: with you so yeah i appreciate that for sure
0: yeah man well all right We'll we can you know say nice things about each other later let the folks go we actually cut right. the show for only an hour and 17 minutes i That's know man i feel like it. this is you know like a record for us <laughs> well let's end on a high note austin for uh sure we'll uh we'll catch you guys next time thank you for watching and listening and we will see you guys sunday much love everybody have a good one